This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade and the TP5 and 5X. Try it. What's the best that can happen? Learn more at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Good morning, golf fans, and happy Canada Day weekend. Welcome inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio. Today, we have a best of special. Hopefully, you're all enjoying your Canada Day long weekend. The summer is officially here. And the golf schedule is really ramping up here. The Open Championship in a couple of weeks. The U.S. Women's Open this week. Brooke Henderson looking for her third career major championship. We'll have an in-depth preview of this week's U.S. Women's Open tomorrow night on Golf Talk Canada Television as well. GTC TV and radio both on Wednesday but since this is the best of and since it was Canada Day we thought we would look back at some great moments throughout the first part of the season and most notably Nick Taylor hard to believe that was just under a month ago Nick Taylor winning the RBC Canadian Open and doing it in style that 72 foot putt to win the RBC Canadian Open, breaking that long curse of Canadian men looking to win the RBC Canadian Open. And what a moment that was. Now, as you know, I wasn't on the 18th green. I was hosting SportsCenter that night and that morning. So I got to read the highlights for Nick Taylor's historic victory. And that's something that I'll never forget. And obviously, Mark and Bob were both right there and I, I loved hearing their perspective about what happened, who they were standing beside, who they were they were hugging, and of course, the great reaction that everybody heard was Mark's call because he was on the call for PGA Tour Radio when it all went down. So we're going to kick off our best of special with Mark and I talking about Nick Taylor's historic iconic victory at the rbc canadian open and we'll kick that off with the call heard around the world it is 72 and a half feet he knows what this does in the last 18 feet swing of the putter comes up with some speed now up the rise for the eagle for the win to the cup take it yes 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 the crowd is over the crowd is over That will never, ever get old. I've heard that. I've seen that about a thousand times now. It gives me chills every time I get to hear that call. Well, the man who made that iconic call for an iconic Canadian in sports history now joins us on the line. Mark Sacchino, welcome into the show. How are the vocal cords this morning, my friend? I got very little left, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, I barely slept. 
Um, I was so high last night. I just could not come down. I think I texted you at one in the morning saying I am just wired. Um, I mean, how can you not just feel so happy for Canada and the country, Nick, and the sport? When you guys consider all the crap that we've been dealing with the last year and a half and the money and the politics and the lawyers and commissioners and board members, you know, and of course, the, the both Canadian Open Weeks. Uh, and then again, you know, our Tuesday, your, like your video Tuesday is still my favorite. <laughs> that was like, that should, that should have told us what was coming that, this week, Skulls. When we, when, when we got your video out there on Tuesday with your reaction to the live news, that should have told us that this was just going to be a very different and, and special week. And, and yeah. to think that yesterday, you know, that's what, the, that's what sports is about. You know, the joy, the happiness. I mean, the celebration, camaraderie, uh, Tommy Fleetwood, what a class act he was, total gentleman afterwards. Um, I mean, I don't know if we'll ever feel anything like that again. I I would be very surprised if I'm ever able uh, to be a part of something like that again. And uh, when I woke up this morning, just to uh, answer your question about having anything left, I mean, you know, I'm not a big social media guy, as as you guys know. You you and Bob are way better at it than I am. You know, I just kind of once in a while when I'm a little upset about something, I might, <laughs> I, might I might send something out. Um, I looked at my phone. I it completely blew up. I I have never. I just blew up. Uh, they they ran it on Golf Center Central last night. I think your mom was the first one that saw right. it. Yep. And yeah, and then they ran it all this morning on Golf Central, and then apparently ESPN Sports Center ran it in their in their morning loop of Sports Center south of the border this morning. So, I guess that's why the phone uh, imploded. So, um, it's a little overwhelming uh, the whole experience yesterday. Um, but uh, hey, you know what? It made the year, guys, for all of us, right? To have this moment for Canada and start handing out the awards right now to Nick Taylor, guys athlete of the year story of the year this is this is it and yeah your call went viral in in the united states worldwide uh so i love the pga tour tweeted it out with your call under it and the responses are, are unbelievable and uh but for those so give us a give us an inside look here so where where were you standing when this went down um, so I was, this is crazy. Uh, I'm behind the, I'm behind the 18th green skulls. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, we got Weeksy there, Rydell's there, all the people from score magazine, um, Adam Stanley, um, uh, all the photographers we know in, in, in the golf business, Corey Connors, Adam Hadwin, Mike Weir, of course, Lawrence Applebaum and all the officials from golf Canada it, it was it, it was it was surreal because it's like everybody we work with. It was like our entire community, like three hundred of us, wrapped around the back of the 18th green, and I'm literally ten feet in front of them, down in like a catcher's position, oh. so that so that people can see over me because I got to be at the front of the line so I can make this call, but I don't want to be blocking anybody's view of this because <laughs> I know how important this. I'm down in this 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 catcher's position 
and you could feel that this is this is inside the ropes. Three hundred uh, dignitaries, etc., and, and, and media people and, and players, etc. Plus Justin Rose, plus Shane Lowry, um, who also my favorite, Cyril Hatton. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, plus all, all of that in there, uh, there there is there as well. Just to see this uh, unfold and to see and to cheer on their countrymen um, and friend. And then 20,000 people surrounding this golf hole on every side. I mean, it was from the tee, from the back of the tee, uh, both sides of the fairway, into the grandstands around the green. I've never seen anything like it, personally. Uh, Certainly never felt anything like it. And then it was just this pouring out of emotion and, and mayhem onto the 18th green. I mean, I was 10 feet from getting spiked. I was running up to hug Nick Taylor uh, I mean, he hugs his caddy, and then we're all in there hugging him. I mean, this is the punches. And as we're hugging Nick Taylor and champagne's flying, I see the greatest spike mm. since Bill Goldberg in 1990s WCW <laughs> wrestling, Adam, okay? I mean, this this uh, police officer security guard, I mean, it happened literally 15 feet to my left. It could have been me. If I wasn't wearing a headset and holding a you microphone. You were going down. I'm going down. Oh, yeah. I'm going down. <laughs> well, you know what's funny about that? So we had Brian Crawford on a little earlier in the show, and obviously he played for the Toronto Argonauts, and he said he had never seen someone tackled that hard in his life. Now, you know, like Adam Hadwin's not, he's not a big guy and you're not a big guy. So like imagine I mean that was it was such a it was pretty crazy uh to to see it really all uh, go down and but how about how about Nick Taylor? I mean, you know the the putt in regulation that that really delicate up and down after going long into a lot of talk about whether he should have taken a drop standing close to that sprinkler head and then to make the putt on the first playoff hole after Tommy Fleetwood sunk that 15 footer on top of him where Taylor had a similar putt that he had in regulation about probably six seven feet or so. This was just, I mean, all in all for Nick Taylor, how, how impressive, just from a golf perspective, you know, from a Canadian historical perspective, we know this is certainly a, a moment we'll never forget, but just from a golf perspective, how impressive was this victory? Yeah, I, I mean, the imp- <laughs> how I'm shocked, and I said this to him in the post-round interview, Adam, I said, I, I don't know, please explain to me how you were able to remain calm the entire day um, knowing what was on the line, the 69 years, the 35 million, 36 million Canadians awaiting, and 20,000 people here all holding their breath every time you pull a club out of the bag, toe to toe in a playoff uh, in front of the entire world. I mean, he was the only one that seemed to be able to to manage it. And you know what's funny? And I got, give hats off to Weeksy for having him this week in the picks. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, but the three of us, though, I don't know if you remember this, the three of us on, I believe it was Wednesday's edition of Golf Talk Canada, we had a conversation, if you go back uh, on Wednesday, mm-hmm. about who, if there was one Canadian who might be the one that was most emotionally prepared for this. And I said this to to, to O-Dog Noodles and, and, and Hayes, uh, on uh, 6.30 on 6.30 Eastern in the middle of overdrive on Wednesday night, I reiterated it. I said, you know what? We think, we being Golf Tag Canada, that Nick's 35. 
he went toe-to-toe with Scotty Scheffler in a designated event and didn't blink. He didn't beat Scotty, but he didn't he didn't he didn't choke. He didn't he didn't lose. Like he just got outplayed that day. He went toe-to-toe with the number one player in the world and almost took him down. Uh he's a veteran, former number one amateur in the world, yada yada yada. We kind of collectively agreed that from an emotional mental standpoint, that Nick Taylor might be the guy who was the one Canadian who might be able to actually handle this moment the way Brooke Henderson did for the, uh, for the women's game a few years back, that Nick might be the guy that wouldn't be scared of the size of the moment. We saw Corey and Taylor have a hard time at the Presidents' Cup. We had, saw Corey have a hard time at the PGA Championship a couple of weeks ago. We all kind of thought Nick would be the guy, but but being the guy and and then just being Joe Montana or Tom Brady in the huddle with two minutes left, that's complete. No one expected that. And and I know he didn't feel like that. I, I know inside he was probably boiling over. But God, Skulls, did he not look like that yesterday? Wow. He, yeah, he, he certainly did. And he, like you said, it would have been easy to to get ahead of himself to you know maybe swing a, a little quickly at times or that tempo to. You know, go a little, little too fast or outside his comfort zone. And even you know, during regulation, Mark, he was hitting a lot of these sort of, would you call them three-quarter fairway woods off the tee or sawed-off finishes? Like he was really keeping that heart rate, at least on the outset anyway. And you have to give credit to Caddy David Markle for this too, at a, a manageable rate, which helped him thrive when the pressure mattered the most, didn't he? Totally. And I think, you know, that's a great eye, Adam, like just pick up on that because the hardest thing to do in that type of situation um, is control your breathing, control your nerves and control that nervous energy. And the automatic thing that people go to, uh, which has worked often because it's the path of least resistance, is you see guys, if it's a nine iron, it's now a wedge. Because they are so amped, the you know the veins are popping and they are amped and the club speed is up, and the airmail greens because they take the same club and they're not realizing that they're just hitting it as hard as they possibly can with all this amped up energy, and Nick somehow to your point and it started earlier in the day like it didn't start just in the playoff to your point it happened in regulation. Look at the three wood from the rough on twelve, the little chippy chaser three wood. He was able to somehow stay soft. I think that's the word from a technical golf term that, that I would use. He was soft, in air quotations. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to your point, able to hit little fades, hold off cuts, not have to go at everything 1,000 miles an hour, some irons and three woods off the tee. That is impossible to do under pressure, almost impossible. The first thing guys go to, guys who have even been successful. Look at John Rahm. John Rahm's a perfect example. When when Rombo's feeling it and he's in the heat, he is going at it like a raging bull. <laughs> I mean, I mean, soft fades in that moment. I don't know. I don't know. Head scratching. Maybe it was a divine intervention there. Someone from the golfing gods looking down on us and, and seeing what RBC has had to go through, the Canadian Open, Golf Canada, all Canadian golf fans uh, going back to 2019, losing the national championship two years. Dustin Johnson, you know, doing what he did mm-hmm. a year ago. What happened on Tuesday? Uh, maybe it was all uh, for this. Maybe it was all 
for Sunday. I'm not a big believer in stuff like that, Adam, but at this point I'm scratching my head trying to figure it out. And when the plausible doesn't make sense, the only thing left is the impossible. Mark, looking back now at Oakdale, there was a lot of unknown heading into the RBC Canadian Open about Oakdale because there wasn't, there hadn't been a professional tournament played there ever. And we saw the 18th hole being played time after time after time after time. And honestly, I said this to Kristen Murphy in hour one. I said this to Brian Crawford as well. After seeing it so many times, I kind of like it now. What were your thoughts on the 18th hole? You know, that to me... It's so funny. I just said this to Dennis and Carl Paulson because I just did their show. Oh, yeah. And I said, you and I, all of us, we're crapping on the 18th hole. Mm-hmm. As, as kindly as we could, yep. we were crapping on it all week. We were crapping on it leaning in, uh, going into the week when you and Bob were, were up there for the media day. I was unable to play, and I asked you guys, you know, tell me about the course. Tell me about the course. I was all excited, and you're like, oh, it's great. It's going to be this. I think, you know, you're going to like a lot of the uphill approaches and blah, 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 blah. And you and Bob both said the same thing. Ah, that 18th hole, though. Uh, that's, yeah, it's a little quirky. Blah, blah. Turns out in the end, all of us were wrong. I mean, it created so much drama, and I didn't realize, you know, a bad hole, I think, for, for major championship golf skills is a hole that has uh, no options, and you're going to get the same scores over and over again. Um, and it's very, you know, predictable and, and, you know, lacks creativity. And I thought, I think that we all thought that's what 18 was going to be iron hybrid, something like that, down to the bottom of the hill, throw something up the hill on the green. Instead, all the choices and all the creativity and all the drama really came most of the time in that second shot. Mm-hmm. Gave the players a choice. Are you going to go for it? It's not as easy to get to this green as you guys originally thought because that 230 number or 240 number plays a lot longer, a lot longer up that hill. That green is angled. Uh, you know, from left to right and, and south to north on, on such a, a subtle little slant. It's a sliver. It's not as wide as we thought. Hard to get into the putting service. If you miss on the right, it is steep and underneath, and you can barely see the top of the flag. All these subtle things that, at first glance, none of us picked up on. And it wasn't until we got to see the best players in the world go through there when they needed fours and needed to make scores to to continue the playoff until we realized, uh, wow, this is a lot better hole uh, than any of us thought it, it was. And uh, it, it, it completely delivered. I could have used you, Skelly. Uh, after the ninth, after the second playoff hole on 18, and we had to get to nine. Right. It's 20,000 people running in one direction. I almost got trampled several times. Oh. I needed my security. Right. Okay. Like yeah, it was, yeah. and Dr. J, you know, he's my driver every year uh, <laughs> at, at the King Open. He was there in, in full effect. You know, Doc's awesome. Takes mm-hmm. four days out of his life to do this and help me out. But Doc can't provide the security that Scully can. Right. Okay. Like okay. he is not like scaring people off and, you know, mm-hmm. getting those broad shoulders and those tight sweaters going. Okay. <laughs> that None of that's happening. Okay. I almost got, I, I seriously almost got run over twice. It was, it was actually scary moving oh. from 18 to nine. Okay. Okay. Well, so I'll be sure training for next year. I'll get the schmediums ready. 
I'll do the 500 daily push-ups just to just to make sure that we're we're standing broad. And you got to stand with the elbows out a little bit just to just to throw some high elbows here and there uh, if if that's needed. But a quick point on 18. Um, you mentioned the, the, you know, the, the challenging layup. You know, Tommy Fleetwood in regulation 18th hole needed birdie to win. A lot of people thought the tournament was over, and yep. Fleetwood you know misses the fairway and he decides to lay up, which. Hindsight obviously was the wrong decision because he hit a pretty brutal layup shot instead of trying to, you know, hit a five wood or three wood, or he didn't really, he actually didn't carry a three wood to that mini driver, you know, hit it over the green, try to get up and down from, from off the green. But you know, the 18th hole was, was quite something. Uh, and I'm glad we got to see it a bunch of times. So before we go to break, we have about a, about a minute, minute and a half left. The rink hole, once again, it delivered Mark and it delivered in a big way, didn't it? Yeah, it was like, it's been a big hit every year. We've always loved it. This year it went up another notch. The complete surrounding and boards was a big win. Yeah. It felt like a mini version of the Coliseum hole. And I said to you and Bob, I said, you know what? It's a Coliseum hole without the nudity. For now. <laughs> For now, right? A little hotter. You never know, right? <laughs> I, I was not expecting that from you. But, uh, yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, I've never been to the Waste Management Phoenix Open. I, I want to it someday. But, uh, yeah, certainly wild. But, uh, Mark, I, I know uh, you're a very busy man, and you're, you've been pulled in many different directions. Uh, congratulations on uh, yourself uh, becoming an icon in oh, this country. People will see that call. We're going to play that call for the rest of time. Thanks for your time this morning. Safe travels to L.A., and I'm sure we'll text later tonight when you land. Thanks, Mark. Uh, Adam, thank you for holding down the fort as always and everything you did last week and again this week. I'll text you tonight and I'll see you for TV and I will talk to you Wednesday for GTC. Yes, we will. That is the Z-Man at Z-Man Golf, probably doing his 12th interview of the morning, running on about three hours of sleep. The vocal cord sounded pretty good though, so I have to commend Mark there for whatever remedies he was going through to make sure the voice sounded Okay, but uh, so proud of Mark for the call he made on uh, Nick Taylor's historic, iconic 72-foot putt to win the 2023 RBC Canadian Open. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade and the TP5 and 5X. Try it. What's the best that can happen? This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Caddy Time, the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to find affordable, qualified caddies to any round. Visit caddytime.com. Download the app or talk to your PGA professional today. Welcome back inside our Canada Day Long Weekend Best of Edition of Golf Talk Canada. I'm Adam Scully. Okay, throughout this show, we're going to take a look back at the U.S. Open from a couple of weeks ago when Wyndham Clark won his first career major championship. We'll have a fun edition of Winners Weird and What. And we'll also hear from a recent winner on PGA Tour Canada. But first, we are going to continue our look back at Nick Taylor and his historic victory at the RBC Canadian Open 72-foot putt, beating Tommy Fleetwood in the playoff. And I've loved talking with friends, talking with family, talking with coworkers about where they were 
when this went down. And I, I already can't wait for our year in review editions of Golf Talk Canada when it's been months down the road and we can all reflect and look back and, and uh, on what an historic and iconic moment it was. So we just heard Mark Zacchino's great call when Taylor's putt went down. But uh, right after that putt went down or moments after moments after that tackle to Adam Hadwin taken down in a big way by the security guard. Thankfully, yes, he was okay. Nick Taylor went one-on-one with Bob. All right, Nick, it took 79 years, 72 regulation holes and four playoff holes for you to end that long drought. (laughs) And even Colt knows to saying hello. Uh, What does it mean for you to win this championship? It means everything. I I feel like after I won the Canadian Amateur as a kid, I thought having the three would have been the most unbelievable thing I could ever do. And to have a chance today, especially after my start this week, um, I'm, I can't, I'm speechless. This is unbelievable. You said to me after the first round that you went home and Andy gave you, or you were on the phone and Andy gave you a talking to. How about, what would you say right back to Andy now that you're the champion? I'll always listen to you, I think, is probably the best thing I could say. Uh, I owe everything to her, her support. They're home right now. I know it's killing them that they're not here. My parents as well. Um, this is just incredible. Tell us about the last putt coming up. You're going on to this extra hole after extra hole. There was a lot of ebb and flows. How were you, first of all, able to control your emotions through that and walk us through that last putt? You know, I, I honestly, when time was teeing off 18, I, I didn't really like our chances to get in the playoff. Um, luckily, we did. He made an unbelievable putt in the first playoff hole. Gave me a couple opportunities after that. And then, you know, the the rain coming down, everything was changing to kind of keep my composure and hit good tee shots on 18 was was huge. And that putt, that's one in a million. I don't even want to say that. Have you got any concept of how big this win is going to be after today? No, I don't think I have any idea. (laughs) Nick, congratulations. So happy for you. Thank you. Well earned. Thanks, Bob. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Caddy Time, the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to add affordable, qualified caddies to any round. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada. Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Visit weathertech.ca. Welcome back inside our Canada Day long weekend best of edition of Golf Talk Canada. I'm Adam Scully. Okay, so quite the turnaround going from the RBC Canadian Open right to the U.S. Open. I know in the hours after Nick Taylor's putt went down at Oakdale, Mark and Bob jumped on a plane. They went to Los Angeles for the U.S. Open at LACC. First time LACC hosting a tournament of this magnitude, the U.S. Open. A lot of curiosity going into the week. And after the fact, some people really liked the golf course. Some people thought it was, mm. some people thought the atmosphere was really weird. It did seem a little quiet watching on television. But regardless, in the end, Wyndham Clark went on to win his first career major championship. And as our best of edition continues, here's Bob and I recapping the U.S. Open. Let's go back to L.A. Let's bring in Bob Weeks, who's on his way to Toronto later this afternoon. Bob, good morning, my friend. How are you? 
Good morning, good morning. I just had a nice, uh, I listened to one end of the conversation prior to this one. I was sitting in the back seat. Oh. Uh, well, Mark drove us to the airport. Oh. So the okay. team has arrived at the uh, Avis car return, and now we're just about to board the shuttle to get on. Okay, so I, I, I've been on that shuttle with you a couple of times. We've gone uh, during some of our tailor-made uh, excursions, so uh, looking forward right. to getting a play-by-play on that. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but let's <laughs> okay. l- let's dive into Wyndham Clark here because, you know, no one really saw this coming in terms of, uh, you know, favorites heading into this past week. He was plus 8,500 on FanDuel a week ago right now heading into the U.S. Open. But how impressed were you by Clark's performance throughout the week? Well, very impressive. I mean, I think Wyndham Clark had a reputation prior to this year uh, for two things. One, of being able to hit the ball a long way. And the other one was, um, the other part, I guess, would be sort of how angry he was from time to time. Uh, he's a guy who has walked off the golf course as recently as, as uh, 2020 in the middle of a round because he was making too many bogeys. He didn't like that. It's also a guy who, uh, even up to seven months ago, said he was snapping clubs during his round. So he's, uh, he's certainly transformed himself into a well-rounded individual, both on and off the golf course, and that didn't come easily. He had a lot of work done with the uh, sports psychologist. His caddy has been very good with him. So a lot of changes in his life and, uh, and also in his golf game. And you got to speak with Wyndham Clark one-on-one uh, shortly after his victory. It's currently uh, airing on the SportsCenter Morning Loop as we speak on TSN.ca. It'll be on Golf Talk Canada Television 2 tomorrow evening. What did you take away from that conversation with Wyndham? Uh, I, think, I think sort of that he wasn't really all that shocked that he won. He really believed in himself. He believed that uh, he had a game that was good enough to to win a major championship and when he he stepped onto the first tee you know the the last four players to tee off <laughs> he was sort of the one that I think a lot of people were saying well who is Wyndham Clark exactly but but he wasn't you know he wasn't afraid of that he wasn't afraid to take on Rory and Scotty and Ricky and um, I think he's uh, I, I think he's sort of felt comfortable about what he was doing and, and what he was about to do and it showed in his game. Now, I, I, I'm making this comparison. So you interviewed Brooks Kepka after winning the 2017 U.S. Open at Aaron Hills, and he spoke about how he wasn't really nervous. He went out there, just played his game, and performed very well. Wyndham Clark appeared to be the same sort of way. And, am, I, am I onto something there, Bob, at all between Wyndham Clark now and Brooks Kepka back in 2017? Uh, could be a little bit. I think Brooks had a lot more kind of swagger yeah. to him. I think... I think uh, I think Wyndham is a guy who's sort of gone through a lot. And, you know, in the room, we were we were in a pretty crowded room when that interview was taking place, even though you only see the two of us. He had a big gathering of family and friends uh, who were there with him and supported, and he sort of reached out to them and acknowledged them. Hmm. So I think, you know, that part of it I never really got with, with Brooks as much as I got with, uh, with Wyndham. I think he's – it just seems there's a lot of gratitude that he's got in his life. You know, he, I think a lot of people know the story that he lost his mother – about 10 years ago to breast cancer. She was the person who introduced him to golf. Um, he was, she was a, a, a person who used to leave him little notes. And, and that was one of the last question I asked him was about um, one of the notes she used to leave him was play big. And I asked him if he played big at, uh, at, on Sunday. And he said, yeah, that's sort of the perfect definition of it. And I think that sort of sums up a little bit of, of what he has transformed his, his life to, into um, where he's very, very grateful for what he's got. And I, I'm not saying that Brooks isn't grateful, but you sort of sense it a lot more when you listen to, uh, when you listen to uh, Wyndham last night. 
Yeah, for those who haven't heard that interview, go check out tsn.ca right now. It's it's a great interview. Uh, so kudos to you, Bob, uh, on that. Uh, you, you just heard, uh, obviously, Mark and I were talking about Rory McIlroy. So we'll get to him maybe a little later. But I want to ask you about Scotty Scheffler because he was the overwhelming betting favorite heading into this week. Another week where it hits it very well. Tee to green, not ideal on the greens. He's 138th now in the PGA Tour in strokes gain putting and first in many strokes gain categories, including total tee to green and strokes gained approach. But for a guy who has three top tens in majors this season, this seems like a disappointing week for Scotty Scheffler. How do you feel about it? Yeah, it does, doesn't it? I mean, he's, it's a little bit like what we saw with Rory. He just hits it so great. And then he gets onto the greens, and it's and he's just seems so lost. And he did change his putter on the weekend. Uh, he used a different different putter, so uh, Mark finally got through to him. But he's been the one who's been <laughs> who's been pushing for him to change the putter, but that still really didn't work. I mean, he did sink a nice one towards the end there, about twenty feet or so, and uh, and puts himself up there. But again, um, it's it's sort of mystifying, and, and I'm sure it's frustrating for him to sort of go through this and realize how close he can come and how easy his game could be if he could ever get the putter to work a little bit. And I mean, I know that's easier said than done, um, but listen, what a, what another great sense, you know, you take the cup half full and you realize what a great week it was for Scotty Scheffler and another great finish, but I'm sure he's sitting there saying that's a missed opportunity more than anything. Yeah, one of the expressions, uh, regardless of your skill level in golf, is coulda, woulda, shoulda. And for Scotty Scheffler, <laughs> definitely a, a number of those, too. Another huge storyline throughout the week was Ricky Fowler, of course, shoots at 8-under, 62, setting the single-round U.S. Open scoring record. Of course, it was matched by Xander Shoffley about 18 minutes later. But for Ricky Fowler, who was 173rd in the official World Golf ranking, to now being back to where he is, seven top tens this season. I know, Bobby didn't have the sun he wanted obviously but looking ahead now how, how optimistic should fans of Ricky Fowler be yeah I think for people who, uh, who are casual followers I don't think people have seen how well Ricky has been playing leading into this he's really had a, a strong season compared to what it was say a year ago or two years ago when he fell way down in the world rankings uh, I mean last year at the U.S. Open he was the first alternate he didn't even get into the U.S. Open he sat around it at the country club waiting and hoping someone was going to pull a hammy so he could get in the field at the last minute. But his game has been working well over the last, you know, six to seven months or so. And, and I think if, you, um, if you're if you a fan of golf, you're a fan of Ricky Fowler because I think he's just one of those guys that everyone loves to watch, everyone loves to follow, and I think it's a nice story for him. I think, you know, he, again, is su- such a good competitor that he views it as a, a miss. Mm-hmm. But I think in the bigger picture, you've got to say that this is, this is a return for Ricky, um, a, a guy who's you know, moved himself back into the top 50 in the world rankings and is is really uh, now, a, again, a genuine threat to win a major championship. Yeah, and we saw Ricky Fowler, you know, play well at, uh, at, at 2014 at that Open Championship where Rory McIlroy obviously went on to win. That was Rory's last major championship win. Now, Rory McIlroy, 19 top 10s. Since, uh, at majors since that last major championship victory in 2014. You had Rory on your edge team last week, Bob. This is a, It's been another good season for Rory, maybe not to his expectations in terms of winning. But in your mind, where does Rory go from here? Well, hopefully he goes to the putting green <laughs> and practices a little bit. I mean, this one was very reminiscent of last year's Open Championship where Tita Green, he hit it so well, but he just could not get a putt. 
to go. And up until the last couple of holes, I mean, he, the longest putt he sank was just over six feet, I think, and he hadn't sunk anything from, from a little over four feet. You know, everything was, was just lifting out or just curling on the high side. You know, it was – it has to be frustrating. It was frustrating to watch it. And I can imagine – for Rory that uh, that he was frustrated by it. But I think, you know, he, he played a pretty smart approach in that I think he was sort of trying to Tiger Woods them to death and the rest of the field in terms of I'm just going to sit here, I'm going to make pars, I'm not going to make any bogeys, and it worked. Graham Dillette was the one who sort of pointed that out. It was very reminiscent of what Tiger did where the other guys are dropping around him. He's just kind of letting them fall by the wayside but not necessarily – pushing too hard on the accelerator. But I think he needed to do that a little bit more, obviously, to catch uh, Wyndham Clark. And he had opportunities. He had lots of chances. There, the putts weren't all that close that he had. He didn't hit a ton that were, you know, inside 10 feet. But um, but I think this is, this is a, as, as Roy described it earlier in the week, you know, when he, when he doesn't win these amateurs, it's like a punch to the gut. And this was definitely another punch to the gut because this was, this was there for him to win. It certainly was there for him to win, and I'm sure he'll rue that approach shot on the 14th hole from 125 yards coming up short in the bunker, that's for sure. Now, of course, LACC was the host this past weekend. was a hot topic of conversation in terms of whether people liked it or didn't like it. I didn't ask Mark about this because I wanted to get your perspective on this, Bob. The 15th hole, the short par three, played 81 yards on Saturday. It was more around 125, 130 throughout the week. What did you think of the 15th hole, first of all? Uh, the 15th hole I thought was a pretty cool hole. It, um, I think the players, when they put it, when they moved the tee up to the 81 yards, I think some of the players thought it was a little gimmicky and it was, you know, it still played difficult. The short does not necessarily mean easy. I think there were eight birdies or something like that on there. It wasn't, wasn't a ton of birdies being made, but, but Adam Hadwin had a good point afterwards. He said, you know, the shot you hit is so short that you can't really generate any spin on the ball or enough spin to hold the green at where the flag was. It's, it's, Mark had a great description of it. He said it's like trying to land a golf ball on a pool table. <laughs> that, that's about yeah. the size of the area you had to land it on. And I think, um, I think if you don't have that spin, you know, most players were just kind of hitting it longer and left and, and hoping to two-putt. So um, it was interesting. I'm glad they tried it. Uh, was it gimmicky? Probably to a certain point, but probably just as gimmicky as 300 yards uh, 300 yard par threes as well. So that was the other end of the stick. So I don't know, you know, the, the overall feel about the, the golf course wasn't that great for most of the players that I talked to. Nobody was raving about it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And, and how about the overall atmosphere? Because watching it on television, it just, it didn't seem like a major championship to be blunt. What, what did it seem kind of quiet? Yeah, it, it definitely was quiet. Um, I think a lot of that is due to, the way the course is kind of constructed, the eight, first tee, 18th green, 10th tee, and 9th green were all kind of in a little area. So there was no big grandstand behind the 18th green. It was sort of weird in that way. Uh, and on the first tee, the only people who really could get close to the golfers were people sitting on the patio of the clubhouse, you know, sitting there having their avocado toast or whatever they were doing, I don't know, in the morning. It, was, it just seemed so bizarre and and there was a, it was hard to walk around like you couldn't just start on the first hole and walk along um finishing up at 18 green there were all sorts of detours and stops and dead ends uh, i mean give me give me oakdale that's that's a way better yeah. way better experience uh, in terms of fan and stuff for me i love that part but um it's uh it was a bizarre u.s open it's not 
you know, when you go to New York or somewhere like that, a Beth page and see them all there, it's, uh, it's just so different than, than what we got this week. Yeah, totally. And, you know, you mentioned Oakdale there and, you know, we spent a lot of our show last Monday talking about Oakdale and of course, Nick Taylor. Now, Nick Taylor didn't make the cut this past week at the U S open, which is not a surprise given the whirlwind of a time. They must have been three Canadians making the cut. Hughes Hadwin. Benson, uh, but overall, from Nick Taylor, you you spoke to him, Bob, a couple of days after that big victory. Were you surprised to see what he had uh, in terms of game at the U.S. Open? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I mean, I thought he would have been just dead to the world after what he went through. And I mean, you know, he he, he said, you know, they didn't they didn't get out on the charter, which was reserved for most of the other players. He you luckily got a private jet, take him on Monday. Mm-hmm. He didn't practice a ton. He practiced, you know, nine holes. Tuesday, Ninals, Wednesday, and, and I think even though he wouldn't really admit it, I honestly think that he was out of gas, and uh, I think he's pretty happy to be back home. He's back in Abbotsford now with his um, month-old daughter, and I think they're going to uh, just take some time. He's going to play. Uh, he's not going to play for a little bit. I think maybe the, the Scottish Open is going to be his next stop, so um, I, I think he gets the full pass for, yeah. for, for how he played. And uh, even though I think there was still a lot of competitive fire in, in, in him that, that showed he wanted to play a little better. No, yeah, no kidding for sure. And, you know, speaking of great Canadians playing well, it's a major this coming week uh, on the LPGA Tour, the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. We'll have much more on that on Wednesday show. But, Bob, I can hear car horns. I can hear people going a little nuts in the background. Before we let you go, though, I have to ask because I always like to ask you about your, your nightlife during major championship <laughs> weeks. Did you, producer Kaz, Mark Zucchino, Graham Dillette, was there any trivia, any egg salad sandwiches, any avocado toast? What, what, what was the game plan uh, during the night? Uh, the game plan was was fairly reserved. We had a nice little uh, spot in our hotel where we could have a beverage after the uh, after the tournament was over. And the big food item this week was we discovered Uncrustables oh. and peanut butter and jam Uncrustables were were the nature. They I almost kind of went on to the egg salad style of uh, trying to keep up with the Masters, maybe counting them. But uh, I was I I had a lot of willpower and I kind of held off eating too too many of them, but. I think everybody had at least one or two Uncrustables. I'm not sure. Maybe Kaz. Oh, no. Kaz is giving me the thumbs down. Producer Mike Kaczynski did not have any. So okay. he was a good boy. He stayed too. I'm kind of glad you didn't count that because that would actually be disgusting if you actually counted how many <laughs> you guys had. But uh, anyway, Bob, thanks for your time this morning. Safe travels. Say hi to the gang for me. And we'll see you for Golf Talk Canada Television airing tomorrow night. Bob, thanks for this. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, home to 80 great courses, 60 miles of sandy shores, endless dining and entertainment. Visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com to start planning your golf trip today. Wrapping up Hour 1 of our Best of edition of Golf Talk Canada, talking about Wyndham Clark, who won the U.S. Open a couple of weeks ago at LACC. 
and a little earlier won the Wells Fargo Championship. So this guy was playing some great golf heading into the U.S. Open. His pre-tournament betting odds at the start of U.S. Open week were around 85 to 1 on FanDuel. So some great value, obviously, there. And about an hour after Wyndham Clark tapped in to win his first career major championship, he went one-on-one with Bob. Wyndham, congratulations. Tremendous win. When we looked at the leaderboard at the start of the day, those top four names, you were the one with the least experience. And yet, when you walked through all those 18 holes, you seemed to be the one who was the most unflappable. How did you feel? How did you do that? Um, you know, I just... I've had a great run of golf in these last uh, five months. And I felt like with all of the great play I've had, it's, you know instilled a bunch of confidence in myself and belief that I can do it. And winning just uh, four or five weeks ago kind of solidified that. And I think it was a huge stepping stone in my career because I knew that if I got in contention again, that I could lean on that thing. And I had the belief that, hey, I can do this. I've done it once. I can do it again. And, you know, obviously the guys that were up there on the leaderboard have had more success thus far on the PJ Tour. Um, but I knew I was a great player, and I knew I can compete with them, and I know I can compete with the best of them. So I was really for, looking forward to the challenge, and um, you know I knew I was going to have a chance coming up those last few holes. So many great moments today. I mean, I can look through and see, I don't know how many of them. You can look at, uh, at eight, the, the bogey save on eight, uh, nine, 11, second shot on 14, the putt on 18, the first putt. I mean, what stands out for you at this point? I mean, it's only been an hour or two yeah. since you went um, through it, but... There was a lot of shots this whole week. I mean, I had an up and down on, on 14 that might be the best, one of the best of of my career um, and riskiest. Um, you know, and like you said, the up and downs on 8, 9, and 11 were huge. And the birdie on 14 and the two-putt on 18, I mean, there's so many shots. The the birdie on 18 yesterday, um, you know, I, I can't wait to go back and, and look at those and those will always be my memory bank for the next time I'm in contention I can lean on those situations so uh, it's been an amazing week filled with tons of great shots and uh, yeah it hasn't really sunk in yet it's crazy people who are familiar with your game have said for a long time that you could be one of the best players in the world I think they've told you that how how long was it before you believed that I I I believed it coming out um, right away as a, a PJ Tour player, but as I didn't perform at the level that I thought I could, that started to go away, and I started to really belittle myself and stop believing that I could be that person. Um, and it started to bother me when people would bring that up and how talented I am and how if you figure this out and you get this, and once that Wyndham figures it out, he's going to crush it. Um, you know, is that Those might be um, compliments, but for me, it hit me right in my heart, and it's like, well, what am I doing that's, uh, you know, what am I not doing? Why am I not having the success that these people think I can have and that I know I can have? Um, and so to finally finally start playing the golf that I know I could play and then winning my first tournament and then now winning a major, um, you know, it, it kind of has brought me back to where I was as a kid when I dreamed of being, um, you know, like Tiger Woods and winning and um you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy to think how much I've changed in these last six months. And now I'm a major champion. It's, um, something that obviously will remember for the rest of my life. Let's look forward. Now you've got this win Ryder cup. Have you thought about that? You're in the automatic 
pick zone right now. Yeah, I um, you know that I didn't really have any thoughts of that until I won Wells Fargo, and then I jumped right in the mix. And then that's something that you think about, and obviously now winning the U.S. Open, I'm I'm hoping that gets me in. Um, but yeah, I mean I still have three, four more events before the playoffs, and then the playoffs. I'm I'm very competitive. I want to keep winning. So you know I'm going to celebrate this. But I got Travelers next week, and then um, you know the last major of the year coming up, and then playoffs. So I'm looking forward to more competition and getting back in the mix. Your late mother said famously, "Play big." Was today the day you played big? Yeah, I'd I'd say more than ever. This uh, this is when I leaned on that the most, and you know there was a lot of fans rooting for other guys and not me and. Um, you know, just reminded me that I was a little bit of the underdog, just like the Nuggets were in in this uh, in their playoff run, and it just kind of ha- gave me a little extra uh, jump in my step and a little chip on my shoulder to to play big and to uh, do stuff that I know I can do and show the world how good of a player I am. Congratulations! We'll see you at Royal Liverpool. Sounds good. Thank you. On the other side, we'll kick off hour two with a conversation with TaylorMade's Bill Price about the TaylorMade TP Reserve line of putters. They have just been released. Plus, we'll hear from one of the latest winners on PGA Tour Canada and a look back at one of our recent winners, Weird and What editions of GTC. All that and more coming up on the other side. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Why Picton Mahoney? Visit PictonMahoney.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zucchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Welcome back to Hour 2 here on GTC, the back nine. We have Mark Sacchino, we have Bob Weeks, and we have Adam Scully all around discussing the latest in the world of golf. Winners, weird, and what a little later in the show. Tons to pick from this past week in the world of golf. But, you know, many people, when they look at their own golf bags, they think, ah, the driver is probably the most important club in the bag. But, you know, come on, the putter is the club you use the most and you would think is the most crucial part and uh, way you can score on the golf course. Now, obviously, uh, we all have tailor-made equipment, and tailor-made has released its latest line of putters. Before we get to that, Mark, which putter are you currently using in the bag right now? <laughs> uh, that's an interesting question, Adam, Thank because you. Uh, I've been flipping around, uh, playing around with a new putting stroke, but uh, in, in oh. what I've just been doing it, like not haven't taken it to the golf course yet, so I'm still using that custom center shafted spider that they built me with the broom. Um, so that's still the that's still the putter that I'm I'm bringing to to play when I get a chance to play. But I am playing around 
with the new stroke that we'll see. I'm not gonna. I can't publicly talk about it yet. Yeah, we'll, we'll save that for another day. On, on another rainy day, we'll, we'll all sit around a campfire and, and discuss that one. Bob, for you, what, what stroke, what putter are you currently using? I got the Spider GTX, I think it is. It's, uh, you know, mallet head. And I've, uh, I actually have momentarily gone away from that only once. Uh, early last year, I tried a different model. But I went back to this one. I just find the stability. I find it really easy to, to, um, really easy to line it up. And, uh, and I've been using that uh, with pretty good success rate, I would say. I'm very comfortable with it. I got the fat grip on it, and um, I love that. It's, it's, uh, it's a good, good club for me. Yeah, I'm also using the Spider GTX uh, right now. And last year I used a tailor-made Del Monte style of putter, a bit of a bigger blade, but switched to the Spider uh, GTX uh, this year. It's so far so good. But now TaylorMade has a new line of putters, the TP Reserve. And let me tell you, these are a lot different than what the Spider provides a whole different set of technology used with this putter and a lot of tour feedback in a positive manner as well about this new line of flat sticks for much more i had a chance to catch up with the man behind the putters from TaylorMade, bill price for much more on the TaylorMade tp reserve line of putters now joining us good friend of the show bill price and bill how long has this putter line been in the works uh, great question, Adam. You know, we've been talking about this for a lot of years. In fact, uh, probably over the last 10 is probably the number one question I've gotten from not just our customers and uh, indoors here at TaylorMade. Everybody that loves a blade has been talking about when are we going to make a, a finely milled putter. So finally, you know, with our portfolio of players that we have today, you know, we've seen, you know, you always see players shift back and forth. And and um, and it seems a lot of our portfolio are I don't want to say mostly blade. We still have a lot of spiders out there, but we've got a lot of newcomers that have come into our portfolio and they're blade guys. So we, they seem to be um, needing, you know, this style of putter more than ever. So the TaylorMade TP Reserve. Tell us about some of the main technology points behind these putters. So when you look at this category, it's very classic driven, right? And it's all about uh, precision and uh, artistry of the putters you know we talk about a tenth of a millimeter when we look at these you know the fine lines and the and the sharpness of the of the top line and the edges and the bumpers and the radii you know it's different than we talk about a spider when we talk about spider you and i go back and forth we talk about well the moi and the stability and the the role uh, there's different words that we use with spider than we do with a milled putter. And, you know, the shapes um, and styles of these have been around for the last 40 years. They're simple shapes. You know, we haven't really reinvented shapes in, in this category, but it's really the the fine tuning and, and the little things, the artistry that we do. And, uh, um, you know, performance comes in a lot of different ways and you can speak to it a lot of different ways. So the fine milling, um, and using different machines that we use on this type of putter is kind of the performance that comes out of it. Now, there is also a different insert that we, in fact, we don't have an insert. So we've machined in the groove versus we've always been talking about roll for many, many years, especially on spider putters. But in this case, there's a certain sound that the player likes to hear and feel from a blade putter. That's very different from a, from a mallet putter. 
Wow, there's a lot, uh, a lot to get into there. So, how different will this putter feel from, say, a, a spider putter? So we've always had a, we've always believed in an insert, and an insert provided better roll. Uh, but when, and it's also a softer sound or softer feel with a spider. In this case, when you look at this category, it's heavily driven by um, non-inserts. So there's a louder sound that give provides feedback. Uh, to players and there's a lot of players and we started getting this out there and testing and a lot of those style players these particular players use that sound for distance control so they like a louder sound so we really paid attention to that and we looked at the competition we looked at what's the sound that we want to have so we did a lot of research with sound testing and developed our own sound and through the groove that we have we so we provided a a groove, and we looked at a groove across the insert that's very consistent across the face. So you get the same sound now from our groove, uh, not only in the top or the bottom of the putter, as well as in the middle of the putter. So the groove really is more of a sound groove, and it provides the optimal sound, and it provides a sound that we're really happy at TaylorMade for. So we really worked hard on finding a TaylorMade sound that's right for a classic putter like Reserve. That's so interesting because you hear that a lot with drivers about finding the right sound at impact. I've never heard that uh, with a putter until right now. Yeah. So depending upon how you machine the face and changing the face. So if you actually looked at a putter that does not have a lot of machining on the face, you're going to get even a higher pitch, a higher decibel sound uh, than you do uh, with any other putter. So uh, inserts provide a softer sound. Now we could change that through the materials of the insert, but in this case, there's a certain sound uh, in these classic designs, a reserve and in this category that players have come to love. And so it, and, it, and that actually, like I said, it's a performance factor because it helps with distance control. So we wanted to have a little bit of a, our DNA, if you want to call it our groove story. So we provided, we looked at the groove to provide the right sound and the optimal sound. So we looked at the right depth, the right width of that groove, and every time we changed that over 15 times, we had a different, slightly different sound. So we're really happy where we landed and, and have the right sound that we're happy with with, uh, with TaylorMade Reserve Butters. But to your point, if you hit our driver in a competition, we have a certain sound that we're locked in on with TaylorMade drivers, right? Mm -hmm. So every driver, every year, you could custom to that same sound. So we're really excited about that. We paid attention to that in, in, our, in our TP Reserve. So yeah, sound has a lot to do with performance. Wow, that's interesting. And so the TaylorMade TP Reserve also comes in a number of different heads, both blades and mallets. Is that correct? Sure. We tried to simplify the line initially with our first launch here. So we've got three blades and three mallets. And the, the naming uh, protocol for us is we're going to have a B1, B2, and a B3 blade, B for blade, uh, and then an M2, M3, M4 mallets. Um, the second number in there, like we have a B11, uh, and that second number refers to is a kind of an internal. We've got nine different housels, especially when we go on tour. So we could have a B1, B2, B3, um, or B111, uh, or, or a B12, and a B13, and a B14. Those all refer to the type of housels that we have. So we've tried to simplify our uh, selection down to three models of blades and three three mallets. and. Uh, with a total of like nine different combinations of housels. So very simple line, uh, like I said, with uh, six six models and nine combinations. 
Wow, that's that's really cool to hear too. Now, uh, I always love to ask you about uh, the reaction from guys on tour uh, who have tried this putter, who have seen it for the first time. What has their reaction been? So the reaction has been great because they've been asking for it for a long time. Now, we've been always giving away our TP putter line. Our TP putter line has always been casted. And there's a big difference when you cast a putter and a different sound. And we've had an insert in ours. So again, having the TP reserve now with this elevated price point and this elevated performance level, now we don't have that insert. So now we have that locked in sound. And now being able to go to those players that prefer that uh, that certain sound, we've locked that in. So big surprise from the players that we're testing right now. Excited about it because they they see the little things, the artistry and the, and the precision that that milling provides to a putter. And versus we can't do that with when we cast the putter because there's a lot of polishing that takes out all the the radii or it takes out the sharpness of that edge. So yeah, the excitement around the tour has been great. Our 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 uh, putter lab has been very, very full of a lot of reserves going out, not just to our tour players and uh, all of our, our best players out there, but also our home pro staff players. So for anyone watching this, whether you're a tour player or whether you're a weekend warrior, how do they decide which TP reserve is best for them? Yeah, so so a lot of the uh, designs that we have, if we just broke down the blade, so we have a very sharp leading edge, Very the bumpers are very sharp. Um, so you have that tour-inspired shape. And the second, you know, that's called a B1. The B2 has got um, same type of similar shape, a tour-inspired shape of a blade, but it has all those soft bumpers, soft leading edges. Everything's a more, little bit softer edges than, than, the, than the B1. And then the B3 is that wide body blade that's very popular right now. So you see a lot of wide blades being used, not just on tour, but by the best players. And uh, that's kind of that balance between a blade and a mallet, where you have this kind of wider body blade, uh, thicker top line. That's called a B3 from us. So, you know, from the blade side, it's a very simple process. What you like, you know, and B1 and B2 are very similar styles, but the tour inspired styles. And a lot of our players that we were just discussing, those are the ones that are getting the most attention right now. But the wide body is exciting to me and I think for consumers out there. But then on our mallet side, um, we have a for a nice winged style mallet called the B, uh, M2. And then we have more of, I call it a more of a modern shape. It's a rounded shape with a lot of the, the nice polished edges around the complete uh, backside of the putter. So that's called an M3. And then the M4 is your classic, kind of again, a lean between a putter, between a blade and a mallet. It's that classic, simple mallet size that a lot of players um, have, have used over the past few uh, 10 years or so. So we've got a nice, simple approach to, to the models. Yeah, simple approach to the models, but so much detail in this line. The TaylorMade TP Reserve. I can't wait to try this out. And I know our viewers and listeners will love it too. Bill, as always, thanks for your time today. Thanks, Adam. Lot to get into there about that uh, that new putter from TaylorMade. Mark, uh, before we go to break, I know you're you're a gear junkie. Uh, from what you heard about that uh, that line, the new line, the the products used involved. What do you think? Yeah, it's amazing to me how sound, even at that speed, like we all knew about it in drivers, and it's amazing color too. Like Bob, you and I spoke uh, last year about all the, the new colors and 
the percent of the ball market for TaylorMade being now much greater in, in design and color and how it's not just throwing a stripe on a ball or a color on a ball, how there's a ton of research to, to, to know what color does what to the human eye and evoke what emotion and that, thus that yellow came out. Well, the same thing with sound and drivers, but for them to be able to tune in sound, i.e. to feel at the speed of a, a speed of a putter is just mind blowing to me. I get it from a driver's standpoint. I'm like, okay, you know, it's that loud crack. It's that violent move into a driver. To be able to do that, um, at, you know, from five feet or 20 feet, et cetera, it's just amazing. It's amazing to me the science involved with today's uh, golf club technology. Bob, thoughts? You know, I think one of the things that, you, that we often overlook when we're, when we're choosing putters is the insert. And the the way the ball the inserts on the on the uh, tailor-made putters get the ball rolling a little quicker, than, which is very important, rather than bouncing the first couple of steps. And I think the the different inserts can have different feels. It's such an individual club compared to pretty much everything else. You know, there's not really a lot of of uh, width in terms of choices when you're looking at a, at a driver right I mean there are certain styles and certain things and each has its own operations but when you go to putters I mean you go and look in uh, a pro shop somewhere and there's 60 different styles and shapes and necks and inserts and grips and I mean it's such a wild um, market for these guys to continually keep improving and to continually keep offering the 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 newest of their of what they're trying to put into a putter and into the different models of it. Um, to me, it's, it's, I don't know how Bill does it, to be perfectly honest with you. He's a genius and his team. Yeah, I, I agree. And they, uh, we chatted a bit after the interview too. And you could tell just the excitement in his, in his face, just how pumped up he is about this new uh, line of putters. Can't wait to give it a go myself. Okay, Golf Talk Canada will continue after the break. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. Learn more about their award-winning golf course and growing community. Visit CobbleBeach.com today. Welcome back inside our Canada Day long weekend best of edition of Golf Talk Canada. I'm Adam Scully. Well, one of the favorite things I like doing on GTC is speaking with winners on PGA Tour Canada shortly after getting their victories and get to hear their stories and how they got it done. Well, one of the latest winners on PGA Tour Canada was John Pack, who was actually the low amateur at the U.S. Open a couple of years ago. And since then, He's had to battle some injuries, but now he's made it all the way back, and he's a winner on PGA Tour Canada. Here's our conversation with John Pack. John, congrats on the win. Welcome to Golf Talk Canada. Hey, yeah, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. So walk us through the final round. How, how special is it for you to wake up a morning later and now be a champion on PGA Tour Canada? Yeah, no, obviously it feels great. Um, I was a little nervous going into that final day, uh, but just stuck stuck to my process and just, you know, believed in myself. I hit a lot of, 
you know, I, I uh, hit a lot of fairways and just kept the ball in play. And I don't know if you guys have been to Elk Ridge, but it's beautiful property, but one of the tightest courses I've ever played in my life. And you just have to keep it in the fairway. And once you're, you're there, the greens are so good. You hit it on the green, you, you hit a good putt, and it rolls so true. And, you know, I, I, I did just that. John, I know uh, you've been on the Corn Ferry Tour and you, you didn't keep your privileges there. You've had a wrist injury. How's your confidence level at the start of this season coming up to play in Canada? Um, you know, if I'm going to be completely honest, it wasn't too high. Um, I played last week and I played terrible. I shot five over, missed the cut by seven shots. And, you know, that just shows that, like, anything can happen in golf and it could just turn around just like that. But... Yeah, I mean, this means so much to me because, you know, like you said, my confidence level wasn't wasn't at, at an all-time high, but, you know, this just proves to myself and, you know, the work I've put in with my team that I can still get it done. So, John, that's a great segue because, you know, when we look at the scorecard and this leaderboard, they're going to say, oh, he won easy. You know, he won by three or four coming down the stretch and he kind of just coasted home. Not necessarily the case. You birdied two of the last three holes. You put it in the house and you kind of made it, uh, untouchable for anybody else. So I have to assume you've got a confidence now moving forward. And what was it? What did you learn this week that was maybe help holding you back? Now, keep in mind, you didn't finish second at qualifying. So to your point, it's come and it's gone. How do we flip the switch to make it just more consistent and it stays? You know, um, I give a lot of credit to to both my caddies this week, Flint Beckers and Ty Strafacci. Um I didn't play so smart last week. Um, I was just being overly aggressive, and I feel like out here a lot of these holes are shorter, and they bait you into hitting drivers, three woods, and trying to advance the ball closer. But, you know, I kind of I made sure I stuck to a process and played smart, and, you know, they made sure I did that as well, and it was nice to have them on the bag, and especially Tyler being a uh, USAM champion. He's been in that position before, and, you know, he kept me calm, cool, collected, and, you know, very comfortable on that back nine. And, you know, he he gave me a lot of confidence to hit the shots I needed to at, when the time was right. So, you know, he just he made me aggressive in the right moments. And, you know, I, I uh, want to thank him for that. We're in conversation with John Pack, the latest winner on PGA Tour Canada. And Bob mentioned it there earlier, your wrist injury. You had surgery on your wrist. Just... Take us through what it was like rehabbing that injury and now the satisfaction for you that you've come all the way back and are now a champion. Yeah, um, that was tough. I, I got surgery early March, right after uh, Canadian Q School. And uh, it was tough because um, you never know with surgeries. Even if it's a, just a minor one, you, your body's not the same it was prior to that. And... You know, it could have been worse, it could have been better, but in this case, it it feels a lot better. I feel fully healthy, and um, yeah, I was a little little down in the dumps just sitting on my couch uh, watching all these guys in the Corn Fair and PGA Tour winning, a couple of my friends playing really well, and it, it, it motivated me to, to get back up there and and get to that level and compete with them once again. Uh, you're off to Edmonton. You're probably already there. You're at the next stop in, in Edmonton uh, this week. Have you had a chance to even look at the course? You know, what do you know about what this week is going to look like? No, absolutely nothing. And we're we're about to leave for a six and a half hour drive, and about 15 minutes after this call. So yeah, just just getting ready. Uh, 
just going to get some rest today, maybe maybe play a quick nine. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy this this journey we go on. It's, it's a grind, and we're back, right back at it, right back at it the next day. Hey, John, just it's quickly. Glamorous, I'm just... It's a glamorous job. It's a, sorry, Mark, it's a glamorous know, was... job, huh, that uh, PJ Tour Canada. <laughs> I know, just one yeah. stop to the next. That's kind of where I was going, to be honest with you, Bob, is that, John, you know, now with the wind coming so early in the season, how hard is it to stay in the process now? Because I'm sure you and your team kind of had a plan put together for the year, goals in mind, obviously the goal to graduate immediately, uh, maybe win that order of merit, etc. How do you stay in the process now? How do you stay on the plan without getting too far ahead of yourself, knowing that you've got a long season still to go here? No, obviously, yeah, it, it is a long season. There's still eight more events. And since it's a little more compact, you know, I got to I gotta make sure I stay in my process. You know, it, whether it be on the golf course, travel, all of that, I, I think that's so important to me is just staying in the process. Make sure you don't get ahead of yourself. You know, um, also, the, the and, and I've, it's a great Kobe line. Job's not done, so I gotta I gotta go out there and you know just get get the job done. <laughs> little uh, little Mamba mentality there, if you will. That's that's awesome, John. Okay, a couple of fun ones before we let you go. Uh, I always love asking uh, winners on PGA Tour Canada what is their phone like when you when you pulled out your phone for the first time after getting the dub. How many texts? How many calls? Um. I- I had probably a hundred messages on through text and like fifty, uh, nice. fifty to seventy DMs on Instagram, and you know that just that just shows that you know their my support is incredible. Like you know, friends and family calling and texting, and um, yeah, they they've always had my back, so I'm 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 pretty pretty proud and happy about you know the people that are supporting me. That's awesome, man. And he played great on the golf course. And I have to give you kudos as well because the champagne pop that you pulled off on the 18th green after the victory, sometimes, you know, popping champagne's not all that easy sometimes. But I got to give you credit, John, because you pulled it off and, and you've, you pulled off that champagne pop in a nice way. So congratulations, man. Thank you. That was my first time. I had no idea what I was doing, but it, it, I guess it looked kind of good. <laughs> Well, uh, John, congratulations on uh, a great performance, a great victory, safe travels to Edmonton today, and who knows? Well, we'd love to have you on later this year after another victory on PGA Tour Canada. Thanks for your time today. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac. Experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. Book your tour at cadillac.ca slash live. Welcome back inside our Canada Day Long Weekend Best of Edition of Golf Talk Canada. I'm Adam Scully. Well, you guys know Winners Weird and What is our favorite segment on the show. And it's great to look back on social media to see some wild moments in the world of golf, some weird moments, some insane moments. And 
on this edition of 3-Dub, I remember looking back and having about 10 different options I could have picked through because a lot went on in the world of golf. Here's one of our more recent editions of Winners Weird and What. And on this particular occasion, Mark had the tea. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! All right, my winner this week, gents, is Keegan Bradley's diet. Now, we spoke about this kind of in the winter when it was going down. But, I mean, we've got to double down on it because he spoke to it this week after his victory. Keegan Bradley lost 30 pounds in six months. Almost to the point where people saw him in January and February this year for the first time. And they didn't recognize him. He went and crashed from 220 to 190. And here's his rule, boys. If it walks, swims, or flies, I eat it. If not, I don't bother. That's it. Now, he did mention that other than just meat, he did add some fruit. No vegetables, no sugars, no starches. The only sugar he got was from the natural fruit. No sauces. He said he cheated once in a while with only hot sauce, salt, and pepper, but no barbecue. No, you got it. This is basically pure carnivore, 30 pounds down, Protein, baby. I always like to say when I go on a diet, Adam, if it doesn't have a face, I don't eat it. There you go. I mean, that's a that's a new line of thinking right there from from Keegan. But hey, I mean, it's working so far, and he's lost all the lbs. So you know, good for him. But certainly a little different. Two wins this season for Keegan Bradley. Okay, Rory McIlroy, another top ten. He goes 68, 64, 66, and 64 this week at the Travelers Championship. But he had some very interesting comments. In fact, his comments, we could likely, guys, do several segments breaking down uh, Rory's comments about the venue. Uh, before we get into it, let's hear from Rory McIlroy. Yeah, I I don't particularly like when a, a tournament's like this. Um, unfortunately, technology has has passed this course by, right? I mean, it, it just, it, it sort of has made it obsolete, especially when it's as soft as it has been with the, um, with a little bit of rain that we had. Um, so again, like the conversations going back to, um, you know, limiting the golf ball and, st- and stuff like that. It, uh, you know, when we come to courses like this and, uh, you know, they just don't present the challenge that, that they used to. All right. Interesting comments here. Now, he went on to suggest that he thinks L.A. Country Club, guys, is the blueprint for the future. Super wide targets that when you do miss, they're penal. He doesn't believe in narrowing the fairways, growing up the rough, and a setup to what we saw in Rochester. Now, Rory, the only active player in the world that feels that we should roll back the golf ball out of any of the, the large stars of the game. I want to go to both of you with this because, Bob, I like variety. Variety is the spice of life. If you want to protect par, I love the setup at Rochester. I thought they nailed it. I think Rory is completely wrong. How do you feel? There's going to be a lot fewer available tracks to play on the PGA Tour if this is what you do with everything. I think it's a little bit... Um, I don't know, a little bit sort of, I don't think he's taking a lot of courses that are great, that are short, that are into consideration. And, and I don't think that you have to worry about, I mean, listen, people don't remember what Nick Taylor shot at Oakdale. They remember he won. People don't remember what Keegan Bradley shot yesterday. They, they know he won. 
You know, I mean, you can go back and look at the records and, and straighten yourself. But the, to me, it's were you entertained? Did you have a good time? Did the guys make great shots? And sure, it's nice every once in a while to see a guy win with four under or five under instead of 24 or 25 under. But I don't know if it makes that much of a difference. It may be a little boring for those guys to play it, but I don't know what you think, Adam. Yeah, I'm curious too because you know it was soft at in Connecticut. You know the, the the green. It was like throwing darts out there. And these guys, I mean, there's the slogan: "These guys are good. These guys play this game for a reason." When it's firm and fast, it's difficult. But when it's soft and no wind, like it was, whether you're a tour player or you're a very good golfer, your scores are gen- are going to be lower. So I, I'm with you guys too. I, I think Rory's a little incorrect on this. Yeah, variety is the spice of life. I don't want to see 30 under win every week or 25 under win every week. I, I like certain setups one way. If par is important to you, Rory, and you want it to be difficult, the only way to do it is to grow rough and bring bring the fairways in. We've already shown you that. History teaches us that. I'll prove my point on how setup is everything. We're going to go to Riviera in 2031 for the U.S. Open. That was announced this week. It's my favorite golf course on the PGA Tour, guys. We go there in February, and the place is practically dormant, and yet 8, 9 under par wins, sometimes 12, 13, 14 under. Do you know that the 72-hole scoring record at Riviera still stands from 1985, Lanny Watkins? So some golf courses are just tough. Some aren't. And setup is key. And finally, guys, I don't know if you saw John Rahm's comments this week uh, about practice. I thought these were so cool. What what a cool way to look at practice. How many friends of ours tell you every day, oh, I'm hitting it great on the range. I can't get it to the first tee. I mean, we hear that every week from so many people we play with. Ranger Rick can't get it to the first tee. Well, John Rahm says you got to apply pressure to your practice rounds, uh, practice time in short intervals with firm time limits, with consequences in place. You don't get an endless amount of opportunity to hit those shots on the golf course. You get one crack at everything. So why do you give yourself endless amount of opportunity on the practice range? Stay committed to a time frame, committed to drills that have top consequences. I'm summarizing, but I love this because for all my buddies out there who say, I can't get it from the range to the tee, start practicing with consequence and purpose and stop just hitting golf balls. Okay, Bob? Tea is yours. So, so what do I do? Just All aim right, for the pond? You, no, you're not supposed to hit it into the water. But you hit it into the water. I know I hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! Look, it went further than your ball. Yeah, whatever. Seven years now, I still jump into really <laughs> on those things. Anyway, here we go. My winner this week is Miles Creighton, who is uh, a wonderful young golfer, and he is playing on Latino America. Now, why am I bringing up Miles Creighton? Because Miles finished tied for fourth last week in the event in, uh, let me see if I can get this right. Well, no, I'll just say it's the Jalisco Open GDL. And uh, with that tie for fourth, he pushed himself even up further on the Total Play Cup standings. He is actually in top position. He has 1,094 points. Uh, second place is Walker Lee with 945 points. There is one tournament left on the schedule at PGA Tour Latino America. If he remains in first place, Miles Creighton will get an all a full exemption to the Corn Ferry Tour for next year. So we are really pushing nice. for Miles Creighton, who was playing, by the way, at uh, Oakdale a couple of weeks ago. Adam, uh, what do you think about uh, the chances of that guy advancing now? Well, I mean, as long as he has his clubs, right? I mean, that was the story <laughs> right, before Oakdale, not, you know, losing the clubs, right? 
Exactly right. Exactly right. So hopefully his clubs are with him and he's doesn't have to go too far in some one of the for the final event. Uh, all right, my weird this week is: um, Did you know that this week, you know, there's a bit of a lull. The the NHL season is over. The NBA season is over. There's a little bit of a, a lull in things to wager on. But if you want, you can now wager on mini putt. There is a professional league called the World Putting League, and it's offering up some wagering. Yes, the uh, having a big event this week in Myrtle Beach. In fact, they're featuring 12 of the best mini putt golfers in the world. And you could put a wager down on everything from who's going to be the outright winner. They have, they're playing in groups of four, or who's going to come out of the groups. Or you can even put it down on how many holes and ones there would be. Now, that's an interesting stat. I wonder in a regulation mini putt round, how many times a guy would make a hole in one? What would you guess, Mark? Like six, five? I don't There's know. There's probably a third of the time, eh, Bob? And I got to tell you, the, a world yeah. putting tour sounds like hell on earth to me. Could you imagine golf where all you could do was putt? I can't stand putting. I mean, it's like going to a vegetarian barbecue. Just, no, I'm out. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Well, uh, anyway, you can find the uh, the betting on uh, most of the popular sites. Um, and then my what is, what a strange week it was for poor old Mackenzie Hughes. I don't know if you heard his story. He left the oh, U.S. Yeah. Open on the charter that took him to the Travelers Championship. And as he got on board, he started having some back pains. And it wasn't like the normal, oh, I just got a little tweak in my back. It was pretty severe. In fact, so bad that he walked up to the front of the plane and laid down because that was the only place where he could lay down. Uh, when they got landed in uh, Connecticut, they uh, took him, rushed him to the hospital, and he had kidney stones, and he had to withdraw from the from the tournament. So poor old uh, Mackenzie Hughes went a long way in a lot of pain to get from one coast to the other. Thankfully, it is the coast that he lives on, so I'm assuming he probably went home from there. I don't know. Either of you two guys had kidney stones? No. It's gallbladder. 25 once I had a gallbladder attack. And I thought I was having a heart attack because the gallbladder is so high in your stomach that I mistaken it for a uh, uh, mistaken it for a heart attack, and uh, they yanked that thing out right away. But uh, to your point, Bob, I mean, I mean, you, just because you feel the pain somewhere, right, could be something completely different. I read that story. I was like, oh boy, poor Mac. Yeah, it's uh, that's not an easy one for Mac anyway. All right, uh, Adam, the tea is yours. 348. Oh. <laughs> oh man, that is sweet. All right, gents, my winner this week is none other, none other than Happy Gilmore. No, not Happy Gilmore from 1996, the great movie. This is a guy whose name is Happy Gilmore, and he is committed to Ball State University to play golf. No, I am not kidding. This guy's name, his legal name is actually Landon, but he goes by Happy after winning a long drive competition at the age of nine. And the best part about this is Adam Sandler tweeted at him saying, go get him. Good luck out there. And I guess, you know, I was trying to think of good lines from Happy Gilmore, my favorite probably someone's closer so happy gilmore <laughs> going to ball state university i absolutely love this i really hope he shows up on the first tee with the hockey stick putter the boston bruins jersey on perhaps and who knows maybe a caddy who has two shoes on and not one okay my weird this week goes to rory mcelroy we have rory mcelroy both of our three dubs this week now rory mcelroy made a hole in one at the travelers championship the weird thing about this, it was his first hole-in-one in his PGA Tour career. 
3,253 par 3s later, and Rory McIlroy gets it done for the hole-in-one. Pretty awesome. Then that first round, I, I was keeping a close eye on that, Bob, because he was a part of our uh, three-handicap uh, pick, and uh, and Rory McIlroy got it done. Uh, hole-in-one for Rory. Uh, that was certainly pretty cool uh, to see. Okay, my what this week. Wyndham Clark obviously wins the U.S. Open. So after after that, as we spoke about on our show last week, he did the media tour, whether it was Good Morning America or any of the talk shows. He was on a number of podcasts, too. And he told a story that back in a couple years ago, playing the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, he got paired with Chris Harrison, the former host of The Bachelor. He's no longer the host anymore. And apparently these guys got talking seriously about Wyndham Clark going on the bachelor now apparently like they were almost talking contracts here about him going on the show now clark wanted to be the bachelor not being one of the guys who was contesting to find love he was trying to be the guy leading the way uh so mark any any thoughts on wyndham clark if, if he would have been i know the bachelorette does start tonight not that I'm keeping track of that or is anything. Tonight, tonight, because I know you're into this stuff, Adam. I know this is kind of your wheel wheelhouse. The Bachelor, the Bachelor. You and Howard Stern are the only talk yeah. radio hosts that I know can't yeah. stop watching this stuff. I don't know. I mean, I kind of wish he was on The Bachelor because maybe I would have a reason to watch it with you then, because maybe they would integrate some of the great golf courses. He could take his dates out for 18 holes or at least nine. Start with nine. 18 is a big ask uh, often, but. Uh, no, I will not be watching, regardless okay. of who The Bachelor is, Adam. Just, uh... You're not going to follow Charity's case to find love starting tonight? Okay, that's fine. That's, <laughs> no, that's fine. You know what? Uh, that's okay. I probably oh. won't be as well, just so you know. But anyways, uh, Wyndham Clark, that would have been quite something. Okay, on the other side, we are going to wrap up our Canada Day long weekend best of edition of Golf Talk Canada with a little preview of what you can expect from us this week on GTC, both on television and on radio. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cadillac. Cadillac, experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the ZG23. ZG23 continues to push limits on lightweight performance footwear with introduction of Lightstrike and Lightstrike Pro technology. They're light. They perform. They're here to compete. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Wrapping up our Canada Day long weekend best of edition of Golf Talk Canada. I'm Adam Scully. Fun to look back at Nick Taylor's historic win at the RBC Canadian Open and also Wyndham Clark's win at the U.S. Open. Well, coming up this week on Golf Talk Canada, going to be a fun one. We're going to be joined by Mac Boucher, the most followed Canadian golfer on social media. He has 270,000 followers on Instagram. And we're going to learn all about his story and how he is now where he 
is today. He's also going to show me how he hits some of his signature shots. Looking forward to uh, everyone uh, to hear that interview and watch it as well on Golf Talk Canada. Plus, we're going to have an in-depth preview of the U.S. Women's Open. Brooke Henderson already has a win this season, came T15 at the KPMG Women's PGA Championship a couple of weeks ago. We'll look ahead to that tournament. What are her chances to pick up major victory number three? That's all coming up tomorrow night, 10 p.m. on TSN2 as well. Multiple airings on television on Wednesday and, of course, back right here on TSN 1050 Wednesday morning and as usual 20 weeks of TaylorMade continues throughout the summer on GTC check out our social media channels to see what prizes we are giving away well thanks so much for joining us this morning hope you all have had a great Canada Day long weekend and we'll see you first Tuesday night 10 p.m. TSN 2 and we'll talk to you again Wednesday morning on TSN 1050. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. And remember, the first good decision for the golf course always starts in the closet. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the ZG23. ZG23 continues to push limits on lightweight performance footwear with introduction of Lightstrike and Lightstrike Pro technology. They're light, they perform, they're here to compete. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit golftalkcanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network.